Hey, are you ready to demonstrate your organization's commitment to data protection and government? And I mean your company, not just you. Boost Brand Trust with AI certification, incorporating principles from industry standards like NIST and the OECD. And you can navigate all of those privacy regulations confidently with TrustArc's robust AI governance solutions. Get a trustee certified privacy seal for your company, signifying organization's commitment to responsible data practices. With trustees' proven methodology over years, you can achieve compliance with AI laws around the world and also enhance your general privacy posture. Secure your brand's competitive advantage with a trusted seal now. Get AI certified today. Visit trustart.com slash AI dash certified. That's trustart.com slash AI dash certified. You're listening to Serious Privacy by Trustark. Please welcome our hosts, Paul Breitbarth and Kay Royal. The common law secures to each individual the right of determining, ordinarily, to what extent his thoughts, sentiments, and emotions shall be communicated to others. Under our system of government, he can never be compelled to express them, and even if he has chosen to give them expression, he generally retains the power to fix the limits of the publicity which shall be given to them. This quote from the article The Right to Privacy, written in the Harvard Law Review of 15 December 1890 by Samuel Warren and Louis Brandeis, you might have recognized it, seemed fitting to start today's episode of Serious Privacy. Because today we move away a little from data protection and over to the broader right of privacy. The right to be left alone, or the right to ensure you can be whoever you want to be, whenever you want to be, without your choices coming back to haunt you for the rest of your life. Today, we talk about cosplay and being geeky, a topic maybe a little out of my own comfort zone, if I'm honest, but the underlying issue is also how to ensure you can keep a sense of self in the often hectic life of a privacy professional. My name is Paul Breitbart. I am Kay Royal, aka Maleficent, for this episode, and welcome to Serious Privacy. Hey, I have the very, very distinct pleasure of bringing to you two colleagues, one of which you've met on our podcast before, Ralph O'Brien out of the UK, and but we're also in Marie, is it Pinot? Okay, I am pronouncing it right. Now, I do have an unexpected question. But it actually will relate to the substance of our topic today, too. What was your first Comic-Con? Oh, my God. Let me think. Actually, I'm not uh, one for going to conventions. My geekiness has actually more been something that is more like games with friends and uh, fancy dress. I kind of started when... I had a local town carnival. I grew up in a small town on the coast. And the last night of carnival was always like the, the big fancy dress night. And so we would plan our costumes for months ahead, months ahead, in order to make sure that we made a big impression, let's say. Winning that fancy dress prize when we were growing up was, right. was an interesting one. And they range from the sublime to the stupid to the inappropriate. So I've been Transformers... <laughs> 
<laughs> like Comic-Cons. Yeah, yeah. One particularly inappropriate year, we even did Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden, so particularly inappropriate year. But moving on from that, <laughs> swiftly, my first proper Comic-Con, if you like, would have been about four years ago now. Four years ago. I have the unique privilege to spend time with two young men who are thankfully as uh, geek obsessed as I am and and therefore being able to take them was the excuse I needed. I love it. Marie, I'm coming to you. Well, it's quite similar as Rolf's story, except that in Germany, uh, Carnival is actually everything dressing up. It's nothing else. There's no parade. There is parades, especially in Cologne. But I mean, it's about the dressing up. So this is something that is enshrined in German history. So it's in February, though, because it is the introduction to Lent. So it's in the cold season. And in Germany, it's all about bowls, fancy dress bowls or black and white tie bowls. This is kind of more the area where it started. My my nine-year-old actually is very much into dressing up as well, maybe because his mother is. I don't know. But my thing about cosplay is actually not just the dressing up part, but actually the making part, because this is something that I made for him last February. That is so cool. And yes, she and I had a whole conversation about making cosplay out of foam and different methods and everything. Paul, what about you? Well, hold on. I'm going to say Marie and I have plans. She mentioned when she and I talked that there was a particular person she wanted to meet, and he's always at San Diego Comic-Con which is almost impossible to get into. But turns out he's now the new sponsor, organizer, producer, whatever, of the San Jose Comic-Con. So we are plotting. We are absolutely plotting. And if we can manage to plot to get to London for the London's Comic-Con, we might do that too. Paul, Comic-Cons in your history? I never attended a Comic-Con, but I was in the midst of a Comic-Con in the run-up to the last IAPP summit in Washington in 2019, because apparently the preceding conference at the IAPP venue, and when I arrived in Washington and went to grab some dinner after having visited the exhibit hall for setup, I was sitting in a bar with all people dressed up in, in fancy dress and costumes all around me. So that is my Comic-Con experience. I do recognize the, the carnival story from Marie, by the way. I grew up in the south of the Netherlands, where also carnival is a very big thing. But in the city where I celebrated carnival, there was all very traditional dress. So it was very particular for that city. But you didn't make all these crazy, enormous costumes based on, on real life situations. It was very much everybody being equal. So everybody more or less having the same dress on every year. And you could grow that over years with some signs and badges wow. that you collect. But that is about my fancy dress experience. Love it. I, I really do love it. Um, actually, your your story reminds me of the only thing at IAPP Summit I was ever surrounded by was I stayed over the last night one time and a cheerleading convention came into town. And so they all landed that <laughs> night. So I was up all night listening to cheers in the hallway and flips down the hallway. And yeah, the concierge got me a limo to the airport the next morning. I was like, please, God, get me out of here. Anyway, my first Comic-Con was like you, Ralph. It was like four years ago. I always loved dressing up and doing things, but I'd never been to a Comic-Con. I'm geek enough to say I'd never really understood what a Comic-Con was. And when I went there, I have to admit, probably 75% of the characters, I had no clue who they were. It's gaming characters. It's anime characters. <laughs> it's things that are not me. I 
Disney movie fandom kind of thing the whole way. So um, I agree. right now, and we'll post a teaser picture to show you, I'm in full Maleficent gear right now. My other two are Star Wars uh, and Star Wars as well. So, but my favorite hero to go to is Batgirl. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. You, you're right, Kay. I mean, when, uh, All right. so it's very interesting that when you kind of go to a Comic-Con or something like that, there are shards of geek culture. Your geek culture is now very mainstream. I mean, um, five, ten years ago, you would have never heard me on a work phone call discussing my hobbies, especially ones that you would never have seen me on a on, on a conference call like this, dressed up as uh, Luke Skywalker either, right? So uh, The right to privacy. Yeah, exactly, the right to privacy. And I've always kept privacy uh, of my own home and family life and you know my hobbies very separate from my work life you know but they can combine you know and actually you know when you find you've got a shared interest with someone like uk with someone like you marie you know these are the things that make the world go round we are all humans after all and i was very privileged to kind of even manage to combine my work and private life by there's a, a very big UK company called Games Workshop that makes little plastic toys for um, not so much com- cosplay, but wargaming, like tabletop wargaming. And I was very right. lucky to, to to happen to visit there and got talking about privacy. And under the guise of checking their CCTV signage cameras and location for compliance with the Data Protection Act, get a behind the scenes look at all their ex- uh, exhibitions and what miniatures were coming down the line in the future and things like that so oh, that's cool uh, it's nice to be able to combine personal and uh, work sometimes it is and one of our clients and i can be open about this because uh they allow us to advertise is gamestop <laughs> and so i actually kept them on as a client when i shifted roles but it was really cool to go to their headquarters because they have a life-size master chief in the lobby and so I don't play the game, but I recognize it's the main character. Sorry, of what's a Master Halo. Chief? Halo, thank you. I don't know. I was going to say some game. Uh, I just recognize Master Chief. And so I was able to take a picture of it and send it to my husband or with me with it. And he's like, do you even know who that is? Yeah, but I don't know what game it's from. And yes. It is true. Geek culture is so wide now. So wide now, as you were saying, Kay, it's so wide that when you do go to even a Comic-Con or something like that, there are people who are very into sort of Japanese anime or manga, and there's a whole world, a whole universe of characters that's completely opaque to me. You know, Disney I can do, you know, uh, the Avengers, DC, Star Wars, even some of the... Yeah, even, even some of the sort of the Dungeons and Dragons and those sort of fantasy gaming side of things, perhaps. But 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 yeah, you're right. There there are there are sort of subsets. People who play computer games, people who are into Japanese manga, and I mean, hey, it's all it's, it's all right. personal data. You wander around these conferences at Comic Con, and people are taking photographs of each other, and and you know, uh, there, there, there's a tremendous amount of money and commerciality, and even putting on these shows now. So. You know, there is. There is. Well, I mean, Ralph and Kay, Ralph and Kay, you would still be identifiable, at least in the costumes that you are wearing today. But <laughs> the costume that that Marie just wore would not be. She is very much no longer identifiable. So, uh, Marie, I guess for you, it's also a way to protect your privacy, right? Absolutely, and I have one that's actually even uh, more comfortable than privacy protective is I have a like turn of the century diving helmet that I did have the same it. material. 
we'll post pictures. Oh, it's really cool. She 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 showed it to me because our, our talk about uh, entering into a partnership was like 30 seconds at the beginning. And then we talked about cosplay. But she showed it to me how she did it. But it's really interesting when you bring this back to the sense of privacy, because I actually am on the board of a nonprofit that is based on cosplay. We use superhero mythology. We're non-genre, so Maleficent, you know, it's complicated with Maleficent being a hero or not. And it empowers children who have been traumatized to be able to relay their story because they're relating to the superhero. And so the cop that worked with them realized that this gave the child power to speak. And so he started using it. So it's not even that. There's a lot of attorneys that are into cosplay. There's a lot of privacy people, clearly, who are into cosplay. We have a very small group here. But why are we drawn to it? I don't know. Um, that might be a question to ask. But when it comes to the privacy portion of it, I have to say that it's not necessarily the privacy that drew me so much, although you can remain private in the costumes you wear and people have no idea who you are, but it's also the sense of being someone you're not Monday through Friday, eight to five. It's escaping from the pressures of work and doing something fun, which not saying work's not fun, but is this your main way or a way you have of maintaining a sense of identity as a privacy professional? Your way of escaping? I think I, it's kind of both, but it is, of course, that, yes, being able in a split second to be somebody else. And also, somehow, I mean, my part is also the crafting part, the being creative. Right. And some people tell me, Privacy is so boring. I'm like, well, it's dry for most people, but I mean, just look. How um, could we ever be boring? Look to the bunch of people that were sitting uh, around the table and we're talking about the same things. We're human <laughs> beings like everybody else. <laughs> to me, it's storytelling. I appreciate a good story. And then actually something that, you know, I, I, I do a lot of privacy training. And, you know, it's all about communicating your passions and communicating with other people. And I, I, I've always appreciated a well-crafted story. And, you know, a lot of the times when I get together with, with my social group of friends, it is about sort of, you know, games that are in the more storytelling variety. And if you can tell a story through a look or a costume. In fact, in fact, Kate, just, just to go back a second, when you about your non-for-profit charity, the things you've just reminded me of is an organization called the 501st. Now, they are essentially Star Wars uh, colleagues who dress up as stormtroopers. Imagine going to, you know, a science fiction convention or a Comic-Con and the amount of people dressed up as stormtroopers or is quite incredible. And they, they sort of get together. They get together as a big club. It's the 501st and they all stand there in their stormtrooper costumes. But what they actually do when they're not at, at Comic-Cons is very much like you were saying, Kay, you know, go around hospitals and do fundraising and charity there's also like a club of people who build sort of droids like r2d2 like droids right. and one of the things that i found really incredible with the new bit of star wars films and especially um the mandalorian tv show the makers realized that the fans costumes were so good that they didn't have to make costumes for the film and all they did for the mandalorian was they got in touch with the 501st and said hey we're filming do you want to come down and all the stormtroopers you see in the five oh in the Mandalorian are actually 
cosplayers. They are the 501st. I had um, no clue. Yeah, and very, very that yeah. is so cool because, of course, 501st is all over the, the U.S. as well. It's worldwide. But I had no clue. How cool is that? And, yes, I have a baby Yoda up on my <laughs> shelf. I know it's not a Yoda, but it's a baby Yoda. But, again, let's and, – and I want to make sure that because it's not just a podcast about us getting together and having fun about cosplay. This relates to talking to a lot of privacy professionals who say that their work is so stressful. That it's it's all hours of the day and night because, you know, breaches are never going to happen at 11 a.m. on a Monday morning. It's it's all hours of the day. It's, no, usually 5.30 on Friday. Right, exactly. Or 2 a.m. on a Saturday. Exactly. And so it's being on call 24-7, essentially. And a lot of privacy professionals, and there's studies out here about it, about the amount of stress that they are suffering. Now, from the attorney perspective, that's been a fact for a long time that attorneys have a very high rate of people who are alcoholics or people who are drug abusers or people who are depressed uh, simply from the amount of work, that they have some sort of coping mechanism that might not be the healthiest one to go to. It's starting to become a thing in privacy professionals. And so I hear a lot of uh, and this actually prompted me in one episode, or maybe it was a meeting with uh, a client, I don't remember, that said they've lost their sense of self. All they are is a privacy professional. That's all they live and breathe. And that they're afraid of losing themselves and their work. They also relate that to losing themselves from their family, their friends, their social engagements. So does this or another mechanism help you maintain a sense of who you are outside of work? I think it's the common denominator of passion that we're all agree here that we're not doing it for the money. We're doing privacy mm-hmm. for passion, but we're also living right. our lives for passion. So I think that's kind of my driving motivation of doing both actually. And sort of, I have combined work with pleasure in this case because I recently have signed a couple of YouTubers Ooh. that are cosplayers and they're, publishing tutorials and yeah oh i agree with you kate totally yeah i mean mental health is important especially in these strange times we find ourselves in and these times can be quite isolating you know especially if we're not you know one of the things i look forward to is conferences and getting together with my fellow privacy professionals and chewing the fat and discussing how we're all feeling and thinking and you know not to go too far down the alcoholism route even share a glass of wine with a couple you know but you do need valves you do need escape valves i think the humanity doesn't do well when it's shut down or repressed and one of the things i really enjoy about my, my work as a privacy professional is getting into the areas where you're dealing with people who want to express themselves sort of that that conflict between freedom of expression and privacy where people want to express themselves people want to let off steam perhaps people's sexuality or what they are outside of the workplace and what they hold private and dear to themselves but in order to express their sexuality they need to share and find other people who like the same things or believe the same things but yet don't want to bring that into the workplace and want to lead separate private lives to to their work lives yeah so for me it's very important to have separation which is extremely difficult 
you know, when we're all so connected these days, it's extremely difficult when we're all so uh, connected through our internet and our devices. It's extremely difficult to to be able to sort of manage boundaries, I think, where the world has kind of got very boundaryless. That is true. In order to maintain our mental health, we need outlets. We need outlets. And whether those outlets... Right. outlets be, be donning what? a stupid costume or, or or what you know you need outlets in order to hey, hey there's no stupid costumes <laughs> there's no stupid co- there's no stupid costumes okay, okay. Oh, shh, shh, shh. As, as that in my full maleficent horns but ralph that makes me think of the other <laughs> direction then there's a lot of literature and practices around separating work from social media a lot of laws that had to be passed that employers are not allowed to ask their employees for their their social media username and logins to be able to see it. But we know that when people are looking at hiring individuals, a lot of companies will go and do online searches of individuals of their social media. Instagram is usually more public than not. And they find out a lot of things about potential employees, or we know that there are the stories about people on social media who are connected to their bosses, to their colleagues. And so things about their personal life that they might prefer not to share at work for fear of discrimination or whatever, Mm -hmm. wind up having that disclosed because of the social media presence. Do you see that increasing in complexity that people are going to be more reserved on social media and not even have that outlet because that is an inlet for work finding out and that fear of discrimination? Separation is so much harder to achieve. And we're all humans at the end of the day, right? We're all humans. And, you know, I mean, there are people using Facebook, which is essentially a sort of a personal social media for their work. Uh, there are people who are using LinkedIn, which is essentially a business form of social media for personal, you know. We meet people and we like them and we, we, we fall in love with them, right? And, you know, if you meet someone at work and, you know, they become your partner and, and you know, you, you fall hopelessly in love with a work colleague or you meet someone at work that you like and go out for drinks and become social with them, you know, this is just human nature. And, and you know, separation is sometimes hard, sometimes easy, but I find increasingly people don't have the places to hide especially when it is all all online they don't have a a private space to go to where they can be themselves or be someone else if that's who they want to be and i think that's I mean, that's one of the challenges in privacy. You know, people always tell me, oh, Ralph, what's what's the point in privacy? I've got nothing to hide. It doesn't matter. But, you know, I, I still think we need we need space. We need space. We need time for our own mental health. Or we're not connected to For me, a holiday is not traveling somewhere anymore. It, it's turning off my phone. <laughs> right, right. So, Marie, I'm going to come to you with the other part of it then. Do you think that a lot of people are cosplaying being the expected professional at work? That's a good one. That's a good one. I just wanted to revert back to what Ralph was saying earlier. I think that's why education is so crucial. And that's why we sort of need to also speak the language of our audience. Because if I'm trying to tell a kid the difference between a public person and a private person, I would maybe use the analogy of I'm the privacy Jedi. I'm <laughs> the one defending the good. No, because that just resonates with them. Privacy Sith. We need a privacy Sith. Yeah, but the conversation with the idea of a privacy Sith Lord. 
Yeah, that was. Talking about education and talking about people, their their fake or their fake face is the one they wear at work. Yes, I would say that's probably the case for uh, a majority of people. But I think also it's because people don't have sort of the guts to be themselves. I mean, I don't care. I know I have a big stamp on my forehead. I'm crazy. (laughs) I'm the weirdo. Well, I'm special. I think that's for all four of us, Marie. I mean, seriously, I'm going to pitch to people. And like in that niche, right? In that YouTuber cosplayer niche, I have sent pitches out to somebody who does Harry Potter unboxing videos on YouTube. And I was kind of tailoring my offering to her completely in Harry Potter lingo. So going to look through your privacy notices, which would be your parchments in Hogwarts. Uh, I make your technical and organizational measures better, like the hexes Hermione puts around the tents in the Forest of Dean, things like that. I was so disappointed that she didn't even do it. She didn't even dare to respond. I mean, I was like... That's that's sad. It is sad. I once went to a presentation from Suzanne, the chief privacy officer at Royal Bank. We did sort of a know your your allies and know your foes across the business sort of... It was was, was a good privacy lecture, but again, it it was a Star Wars metaphor, and she was going to different planets and looking at things as alien species and what their characteristics and traits were in order to, you know, carry through that, that metaphor of kind of, you know, the different people you need to be aware of and the different ways you need to treat people, you know, and and in a way, you know, we're all crazy as Marie says, you know, we've all got our stuff. We all put on masks sometimes when we're in the workplace. And I always say it's the normal, the grey people I feel sorry for, right? You know, they're just jealous the voices are talking to me, right? Don't we all have different personas all of the time? I mean, even if you can be completely yourself, the person you are with your parents is a different you than you are with your colleagues or with your friends. Um, And that's a different person again than if you are just sitting with each other in a restaurant than if you are at a festival and, and dancing the night away. Isn't that just who we are as humans and who we should be able to continue to be? And if we are at a festival and dancing well into the night, maybe with a drink or two too many, and you come across a client that you both acknowledge that this is just private time and that this doesn't impact your work situation I at met all. a client dressed as Maleficent horns. We were doing a cosplay event, uh, a local event, and we drew thousands of people. And uh, this one guy walked up to me and he said, you're Kay, aren't you? I said, yes. He introduced himself as one of my clients that we had never met in person, but of course we were both here in the Phoenix area. And um, he introduced and said, well, it's an absolute pleasure to meet you in person. And (laughs) I was at a loss of words for having met a client for the first time as Maleficent. But again, as we've been talking about, it kind of created more of that personal connection. I mean, clearly he enjoyed cosplayers and had a fandom or he wouldn't have been at an event with, you know, the cosplayers. Uh, But it was, it was really interesting to see how it, it does make a connection to people and it can be on odd facts. It doesn't have to be playing a character. People connect around cooking or they connect around different hobbies that they have, right? Yeah, I threw cooking in for Paul because he knows I'm not. A, um, but yeah, bitter balls. I completely missed bitter balls. I thought he was saying something weirdly exotic in Dutch language or something. And then he put it in writing. And I was like, really? 
Ralph and Marie are now looking, what are you talking about? But that's next week's episode, so you still have to listen to it. You have to listen to the last episode. We finish Just... every podcast now with, uh, with a recipe from Paul. Is that the... I, I think that's what it is. It's either going to be something from Paul or it's going to be a Southern recipe, which I, I can do that. I can throw out my famous recipe for Nana Pudding, which people love. But it's making that connection between people. And the three of us, we didn't bond over cosplaying. We bonded over privacy and enjoying each other as a person. But then we found out, well, Marie and I may have bonded over cosplaying. Not only. But <laughs> then we found out about the cosplaying. And didn't it take that personal connection from, oh, I really like working with you. You're a fantastic person, professional, to, oh, my God, I didn't know this about you. Now I absolutely adore you. I mean, it's... People bond. They do, but you know, yeah, yeah. privacy is about managing boundaries, right? And and you know, there are things I'd say to some people, as Paul was saying, and things you would say to others. You know, us British, we've got a reputation of being fairly reserved. You know, I certainly wouldn't bring up politics in the work in the workplace because it's fairly divisive. And you know, I find it very interesting. Oh, I would because it's part of my life. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know, you can't go into a privacy training course and talk about the GDPR and the EU. And international transfers, without mentioning Brexit, and and you and then everyone's got a view, right? And everyone's got a view, and some of those views are very strong and very divisive. And which is, you know, I like to think there's more that connects us than divides us uh, personally. But you know, in the workplace, when you want productive working relationships, sometimes you want to concentrate on the connections rather than bringing up something that might potentially be a divisor. You know, so. Or something that is not considered as acceptable. Cosplay yeah. is yeah. a little edgy, but it's acceptable. There's hundreds and thousands of cosplayers. What if we were showgirls in Vegas or strippers or I, I can't think of other type of edge things that people might do outside of work. That might not be as acceptable to disclose because you still understand that there's a line. Yeah. There. It's really interesting. I mean, the rights of sex workers has always been a really interesting kind of conversation to have. And, you know, uh, I was involved a while. Not one that we're going to no, have. No, no, no. But I was uh, but I, I, I was quite interested in doing some privacy work for a photography company. And you think, okay, photography company, great. But then I found out that the topic of their photography were, you know, let's call them glamour shots or lewd or lewds or what, what, whichever way you want to put it. You think, well, you know, is this something you need to be involved with and have on your thing? Or, or, or are you helping somebody to, who's trying to get it right? Or do you, you know, s step away because you want barriers? And, and you know, and it, it's a really interesting kind of conversations to have when you start talking about you know, ethics and morality in the workplace and you know, different people feel differently about different things, you know? Um, but I love this because both you and Marie have brought up the fact that you have used or... Um, cosplay or interest in your work and perhaps used it with a client what about and we were talking about this as well there are panels at comic-con i uh, came across jason momoa for the first time at my first ever comic-con just happened to wander in the room and there he was in all of his glory and yeah that was it for me and jason momoa he, <laughs> he grabbed my heart right there very very intelligent man whatever anyway Back to the other. There are panels. I have a good friend as an attorney that always speaks on Comic-Con about IP rights to gaming, to shows, to whatever. 
I think that there is a place to have a panel on privacy, not phrased as privacy because people don't get it, but phrased on how do people who are creating games, stories, uh, whatever their videos, how do they maintain their management of personal data? And what a big issue that is now since gaming can, it can go global yeah. as soon as you launch an app. And I keep getting pushback that, you know, people at Comic-Cons wouldn't be interested in a, in a panel of that, which surprises me because they'll probably get in a lot of trouble if they're not paying attention to it and no one else is talking to them about I it. I think that's just because we're maybe wording it to the wrong audience. Basically, we have like that other audience we're used to talk to, like lawyers and CEOs and all of that. And we forget how to speak to the geeky normal people. One of my privacy customers is uh, a company that does visual effects for films. And what's very interesting about them is you'd be surprised the lengths people will go to to try and get spoilers for, you know, who's going to be in the next Marvel film or, you know, what happens at the end of the next DC film, you know. And so obviously security and privacy is really, really tight in 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 those in those companies because there are a lot of people out there who who you know would would leak or you know and it, because it's such big business i actually think what was a a geeky thing that kids did sort of 20 30 years ago is now mainstream you know there's the, the, there's 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 no doubt that the geeks have inherited the earth there's no doubt that the geeks have inherited the earth and you you only look at this case right that down <laughs> it's probably going to be the title for the podcast yep, yep. <laughs> but, yeah and you're right you know comic-con's a big business yeah marie was just saying that you've got customers who are who are youtubers yeah you know youtubers it's, it's a you know it's a valid form of work to post stuff on youtube and to you know gain advertising revenue from it and what are people interested in people are interested in spoilers and rumors for the latest films that are coming out and you know a lot of them are, are geeky and uh, you know as as what we're saying that that means that these people want to attract followers and therefore have personal data and deal with ad tech and you know the, the perhaps marie you're the you're a trailblazer in an untapped market of of people who will you know, need privacy advisory in the future. And you know what? They actually said to me, if you can find us an attorney or an, a, a uh, lawyer that is into cosplay, we would be the happiest couple on earth. So, I mean, this is just an appeal to everybody. <laughs> if you have law experience, I mean, they would be thrilled to have a lawyer that's into cosplay. <laughs> That is awesome. And I think it's amazing. And we're coming to the end of our time now. So um, in a minute, I'll ask y'all for your last thoughts. But I do think it's amazing now that so many professionals are equal caliber now in privacy, in, in any profession. You don't have to relate this to privacy in any professional. There's always a slew of companies or people to choose between that are of equal caliber professional. So how do you differentiate between them? Sometimes you never know what it is. It's some sort of personal connection that they have made to you that makes them say, you know what? I like that one better. You never know what that decision is going to be based on. People by people. Exactly. And those are the sentiments and emotions that Warren and Brandeis were already referring to. 
showing but making your own decisions on what you share with whom and who you show your emotions to in what situations and i guess when choosing your characters you you do more or less the same why do you choose a certain character just probably not just because it's easy but because you also want to tell a certain story with that right marie yeah definitely and i mean sometimes it's a story. Sometimes it's um, the same height as the character. <laughs> Sometimes it's the complexity of the costume and you like the, exactly. cost, the challenge it takes to make it. Like I am still working on my How to Train Your Dragon 3 dragon armor. We're talking challenges here. Sometimes yes. there's just yeah. challenges that you... Because there are not enough challenges in privacy already. <laughs> no, it's to clear your mind. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. When I'm not at work... I'm, you know, and these days we are at work a lot. And, and even when we're not at work, work is not nine to five anymore. Right? Mm-hmm. Work is not nine to five. Your mobile phone is beside you at all times. As soon as the damn thing lights up, you know, you're reading an email and probably answering it at times when, you know, especially when, when you work internationally with clients in America, China, you know, you're always and especially on. if you work from your kitchen table for seven months exactly, in a row. Yeah. And you're, you're always on and there isn't the separation between work and home anymore. And therefore... If you can zone out, if you can go into a different world and you can just suspend disbelief for a few minutes and you can even do something like mindless and repetitive, like sewing a costume, like like painting a little bit of a plastic miniature, you know, then then that's time well spent. It's, it's, it's your time. It's your time, you know. As, as we've, we've said in a couple of podcasts now, it's no longer working from home. It's <laughs> living at work. And there are people that have those methods for separation this is another method for separation maybe it's not separating my office from the rest of my home maybe it's separating my time and what engages me so let's let's move on to the closing i'll let paul you ask uh whatever you would like to ask in closing because i know that given the three of us we've kind of you know dominated here yeah, maybe I'll I'll end with an unexpected question as well. What is the dream character that you still want to be that you haven't been yet? <laughs> and silent strike. Yeah, I think it would have to be some sort of mashup for me. What always impresses me at, uh, at Comic Con is, is is not when you see someone who's the best Boba Fett or the best Stormtrooper, but the one I remember last year. It was um, a Boba Fett cross Snow White, so it was sort of blue and blue and yellow uh, with a little skirt and sort of puffy sleeves wait till yeah. you see my mashup ralph i'm telling you i googled it and there is nothing on it and it's going to be amazing but the comic cons this year were canceled so i told marie about it when she and i were talking she knows what i'm talking about i can't talk about it and i sent you that link i sent you that link didn't that, I? yes <laughs> amazing what about you marie what's your dream so my best friend actually introduced me to something. I, I was that particular genre before. He just put a label on it. But So he introduced me to steampunk. And my dream costume, I think, would be a Princess Leia, but in steampunk version. And actually, for me, it's not a costume at all. It's actually building something. There's uh, people who build like R2-D2 droids. And I've seen a steampunk R2-D2 who... And sort of made out of wood and brass, and 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 actually, for me, it's the being able to build something instead of almost dressing something is uh... yes. So you you can see, Paul, your question isn't simple. It's more not just the character you want to be; it's the 
what is your goal? What what is it that and because most of us it's mashups, it's the build, it's the creativity behind it. It's not just the becoming someone else. It's the becoming someone else that you've created. I guess if you do go to that Comic-Con, I might come along as Newt's Commander and bring all there these strange go. privacy there animals go. together. Good. Excellent. I love it. We're just going to have a whole crew of cosplay privacy professionals. And on that note, we're going to end this episode. If you like our series, please subscribe in your favorite podcast application. Please do tell your friends and colleagues about us as well. And should you have any questions or suggestions, including what roles we could play, please reach out to us via seriousprivacy at trustark.com or via Twitter at, at podcast privacy. You will find Kay on Twitter as Heart of Privacy and myself as EuroPolB. Thank you again for listening to Serious Privacy and until our next episode, where we'll probably be back to data protection if nothing happens in between bye for now bye y'all that was serious privacy So, Kay, did you hear that the Trustark Trust Center is revolutionizing the way businesses manage trust? I did! And with the Trust Center, achieving customer trust is no longer a months-long process. It can be just days. Yeah. Have you been in a situation where a customer wanted information and you need to scramble to find everything? Just imagine all of that was at hand in one central hub. With info on privacy, legal, security, compliance, system availability. Yeah, you can lower your legal, regulatory, and reputational risk with instant updates and speed up your sales cycle with private and public document sharing. Trust Center solves the problem of red tape and dependencies, ensuring your trust and safety information is accurate, compliant, and available. And you know the best part? You'll save time and cost. How often have you gone to multiple departments and it's taken weeks so you can remove bottlenecks and effortlessly streamline your efforts? Trust Center, trust becomes your key differentiator in today's digital economy. Experienced enhanced customer trust, operational speed, and efficiency while enjoying comprehensive coverage for diverse stakeholders. So why wait? Start streamlining trust management with TrustArc's Trust Center. Visit TrustArc.com slash more dash trust. That is TrustArc.com slash more dash trust. There's a lot of trust in that. A lot of trust.